I wear my name tag everywhere. I have it right here. I wear it to sleep just in case someone in my dream want to buy a house. I want them to know I'm ready to go. One of the top sales guys just showed up one day, and I, saw, I think I was the driver. I saw him with his car wrapped. So the next week, I showed up with my car wrapped with very similar colors. He was pissed off. <laughs> okay, so my guest today is one of the top 1% brokers in Houston, Texas. He owns a lot of companies in the real estate industry, which includes a real estate brokerage, a mortgage company, a property management company, and even an insurance company, and so much more that I can't even remember. He has about 15 plus employees in one of his company. One of his companies was also voted the top veteran-owned small business in Houston. You think that's it? But no, he's also a three-time author. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Victor Luffymaking. About 10 years ago, you started to go into real estate to be a realtor. Can you tell us about that? Did you have a previous sales background? Like what made you just start and just say, I want to be a realtor? For 10 years prior to uh, joining, starting my real estate career, I was a naval officer. And when I was uh, leaving active duty to go to the reserves, uh, my plan was to get a job. So I was applying for jobs. I was getting, you know, uh, selected. I was getting certified for a lot of companies. The economy was great back then. You know, you're, you're a military officer. You want a job, you got a job easily. And I think uh, I was supposed to start a job on a Monday. And then the Friday before then, I was at lunch with my buddy. I'm like, you know, I've always wanted to do my own thing. And this might just be the opportunity to take a shot at it. And my plan was to do everything and anything I can do um, for four months, but just go out on my own and see if it succeeds. And if it doesn't, I'll get a job again. All right. So I started six different endeavors at the same time. Real estate was one of them. Uh, I had a, a hospice where my wife was the director of nursing. I had uh, a tax business. I was supposed to start working on the Monday and I was just having lunch with my buddy. And that's the Friday prior to that. When we start working, uh, I think it was Shell or something like that. And I'm like, I don't think I want to do this. I think I've always wanted to be entrepreneurial. This is my, my shot. I'm living in the military anyways. So let me just go ahead and take, take, you know, take a chance on myself. Uh, so I didn't know what to do. I just kind of heard, you know, passively about real estate from someone in a hallway somewhere. And I just took my license, I took my classes. I didn't know what it was entailed. So I started doing real estate. I started doing hospice at the same time. I opened a hospice, a Methodist hospice. I had a tax, I started doing taxes. I did financial planning uh, with uh, First Command. That's four. Um, I was doing remodeling. And so just basically six things I started at the same time that whatever, something's got something's to hit. And I would just work all day, all night, right? I work all day. At night, I would do my hospice thing. And my, my plan was to... I uh, get a lot of credit cards, uh, use it, uh, and pay the minimum. I can't pay the minimum forever. I had some severance paid there. And if I don't break out in four months, I'll get another job. So my job, my plan is just work myself to the to the bones for those four months and see and focus on the sales and the, and the bottom line. And luckily for me, real estate you know, was like a natural. My very, very first clients were like, I've been doing this forever. I understood it. It clicked. I got it. I enjoyed it. Uh, and, and it's a very jealous business. It takes all your time. I slowly started killing off each business as I went along, knowing that in order to succeed at a high level, I got to be focused. So I put all, all my attention to real estate at that point in time, and then slowly added more businesses, 
with leaders to help me, help me run them. So prior to you having that revelation that you, that wasn't for you, did you have any experience as an entrepreneur? Did you like, what was your ground zero? Well, I had a, a small experience as an entrepreneur, right? So while I was in college, I opened a small company called uh, Victorian Healthcare, uh, Victorian Medical Services. Uh, I'm sorry, Innovative Medical Services, Innovative Medical Services, Innovative Medical. My buddy and I were partners in that, and we did medical supplies. So we helped uh, buy and sell. So I kind of had an idea of how to open a company, this kind of thing. So it was a very short stint and before I sold the company and joined the military. But I've always knew that I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Uh, so, um, I just jumped right into it. Now, my military experience really, really trains you to be an entrepreneur. I think one of the biggest things people uh, don't understand about business is that it takes your all, right? So to really succeed at it, I don't care what you see now, anyone that has succeeded in business has given, you know, blood, sweat, their soul to it. And the military trains you for that, right? On how to make decisions, how to think as a leader, how to how to be the one to look for the solutions to your to any problems. So the military is a very good training for that. So you, a regular college student is supposed to be studying for their exams. You're you're there starting businesses. <laughs> Have you always been like this? I've always wanted to be like that, you know, and, and it's, I think it's always good to know yourself as well, right? So, and embrace yourself, you know, sometimes some things society see as a negative connotation. Uh, and, but if you live that, if you believe that societal uh, doctrine, you will see that the negative thing. So I've always wanted to be in a position of a leader. I've always wanted to lead. Uh, and sometimes it sounds selfish, but that's just the kind of person I wanted to be, you know, in, as a military person, I want to take charge. Uh, I want to, and I work hard to learn to take, to do those kind of things. You know, I know when I started college, I had like a 4.0 GPA, but my last year in college, you know, I barely went to class. I was running a business. I was like, just anything just to get through this bachelor's degree so I can go run my business, you know? So clearly my, 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 my GPA slipped in the last the last year, year and a half when I was running the business. So you spend, let's say, 10K to 20K a year for college. Were you making 10K to 20K in your business at that time in college? Back then? Yeah. No, I was not. So, so technically not. you're losing money. I was losing money then. I was losing money when I started the business. It was very challenging. Uh, wasn't, wasn't losing a lot because, uh, you know, I mean, I guess things were cheaper back then. And... And um, my college wasn't that, ex I don't remember. I mean, I, I had federal grants. Um, so I was working a little bit to fund the business. And, you know, we had an office, we had this kind of things, and just had little sales here and there. And um, it, was just, it was just very romantic back then. You know, we just go to the office, we had a fax machine, we were drinking at the, at the office, beer. It's more like, like a fraternity, but... We're just kind of pushing through. It was it was hard. It was it was a it was a hard landscape to, to challenge because wait, matter of fact, now I'm thinking about it. That wasn't actually my only business. I remember having this uh um uh, uh grease trap cleaning business. So we went to all these restaurants and cleaned grease trap for them. Uh, I would contract you know these big you know drums. And I remember uh, if you know if you go on Southwest Freeway, that is a man called Mister Fung Fung's Kitchen. It's an old Chinese guy Fung's Kitchen. Without my very first customers uh, took a chance on me. I was like, 
I was maybe 19, but I looked like I was 12. Uh, and I'll meet all these old guys, and a few of them let me. I was cleaning their carpets as well for them. Uh, and they let me just, you know, put my staff there. I would stay there, we'd drink beer together all night, just telling me about business and about life. I used to do all kinds of stuff to look older. I wear a wedding ring, I wear glasses, so that when I go to a sales meeting, people think I'm older than I really I really was. Uh, but I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I should probably, I should probably join it. I had a few businesses that I started while I was in college, and I'm thinking about it actually. So I've known you for a while now, and I've always looked up to you like, oh, like you this, um, you this person that like can do everything. And for the first time, this story that I'm hearing is making me even put you on a higher pedestal. Like I just thought like okay. you've, you've gone through a lot. Like I, I thought it was like a normal thing. Oh, you started your first business right out of college, and you you had a learning curve from there and became who you are. Not knowing you've always been like this. Apparently, I have. I didn't think about it. Apparently, I have. Apparently, you I were have. not a regular nineteen-year-old. No, I didn't think. I, I don't think. I, was. I mean, again, like I said, I've always wanted to. I, I take invention of my environment and want to make it better, right? So I, I totally forgot about all these things. But apparently, yeah, yeah, I, I, I worked with Mr. Fung. Remember me, you know, doing with you know Kim Sun on uh, the restaurant in downtown. I was cleaning their grease for them, grease trap. Um, I remember doing that. I was a remember that company at that point. I can't remember that company, but it was. I just tried to close big accounts, and it was really hard. Like, like, who, who are you? Who, who is this little kid? Um, that was that was a good that was a good time. That was a good this time. is this is really interesting. Like this this just made me realize that you are just not you're just not the normal normal person that I thought <laughs> you always it's like Superman. You've always been Superman since since birth. <laughs> you know, but but I don't I don't think about these things in that sense. Honestly, I just you know I think that generally, you know, I mean I've been fortunate to know that's what I want to do from from yeah, from from right on, uh, and. You know, just go out there and work hard, do a good job, and just have fun while you're at it. I mean, that's kind of my motto, right? So do good to people. Uh, and, you know, it's, I, I don't, you know, there's no grand plan. There's no grand scheme. Just, just just having a good time day to day and just doing a good job and doing your best, you know? So I want to ask, when you were starting those business in college and you're hustling and trying to, and Mr. Kim took a chance on you, let me guess, you did not have any passion for Greece trap cleaning no i did not <laughs> i did not <laughs> so what was driving you then what was driving you to do those things okay good good question so a lot of things in life you know you come from the from your background right so um it would be very hard for me to be an astronaut if i grew up in zimbabwe right but if my grandfather and my parents were astronauts i can see myself as an astronaut so I, while I was in college, uh, I was studying biochemistry, biology. I was a pre-med major trying to go to medical school. So I had a job as a lead lab technician. And my job was to help treat wastewater grease trap at the lab. So I had to come up with all these chemicals to treat this wastewater before it gets flushed down the drain. Uh, and I had to figure out the right mix for it. So a lot of brother grease trap and wastewater there to, to dispose. I'm like, hey, I could do this. I'm you know, this guy's even though I'm a little younger, I could do this. So that's what kind of kinda of got me in that industry. So after a while to my boss, hey, listen, I wanna go try my hand and I have been his competitor. I'm like, sure, I'll support you. Go ahead. And that's how I started that, that business. So when you decided you saw that those uh, those gentlemen coming in cleaning the grease trap and you're like, Oh, I can do this. 
How, what was the first step you did to like find your first sale, your first customer? Uh, who was my first customer? You know, back then I didn't really have a good strategy. So what I would just do was, I think I, I like to start with people around me. So I went through people that I know around me that were in business like that I can reach out to to see if I can, they, if they'll take a chance on me. Uh, unfortunately for me back then, there was not a lot of people uh, around me in business. It's in the 90s uh, and early 2000s. There's not a lot of Nigerians in business, just fresh immigrants. And even if they were, I was 16, 17, my parents weren't here. Uh, so I, you know, I just had just young friends. So it was a little challenging in the beginning, but I had some old people that kind of gave me a shot. And then I started just kind of broaden my horizon. So I knew some people in the industry uh, since I was already working in the industry. They were not necessarily the clients of my employer. I didn't go after any of the clients, but I just put in the industry. And then I started doing, you know, cold calling, you know, walking to the place cold. Uh, and or if I can ask, I can make an introduction. I'll go there. And quite frankly, I don't even know why anyone took a shot at me. Maybe because they figured they can exploit me. This guy's young. I'm sure it's going to be cheap, you know, it's the cheapest, you know. Uh, I knew the pricing model for the industry. Uh, and I remember, you know, some guys that, some old people that would sit me down and would talk, you know, a guy called Guido, the Italian guy that had a big uh, cleaning company and he would have me do some of his subcontracts for him and he would just, he would just sit there and give me advice. He used to be Waffle Maker, my last name, Loffin Making. And I just, just, just took a chance to me. And the thing is, you know, People want to help you. People, and that's what I'm putting People want to help you out. Uh, if you if you go with them sincerely and you work hard, you 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 break you you have a breakout in, in in business. Okay, so I, what I'm taking here is that your first you didn't have you didn't have anybody to help you. You didn't have any mentor. You were young, sixteen, alone in the in in the country then, and you just did some code calling. That's one of the things you did. That was it. Now, I think this business did not really thrive the way my business thrive now because I, I, when I got older and I started second time around, I was more sophisticated, right? So I think maybe that might be a better example to give uh, uh, for your audience on how I got my first leads and how I nurtured those leads back then. Uh, but the first one was just, you know, thinking I was, you know, it was 90s, you know, we didn't, I don't know if I had a cell phone, it was just... It was just very romantic, like, hey, I was just making a little bit of money. And that's why I joined the military. Like, listen, I can't, can't do this. I didn't see a bright future at that point in time. It was just a hustle and grind. I just couldn't really see it. Again, I know it might sound trivial to you, but I'm blown away right now. Maybe you're not sitting in my face on the story. Because I feel like where I am right now, where you were when you were 16 in college, that's probably where a lot of us are, 30 years old and starting. We don't have a, we're not sophisticated. We don't know any business language. We don't know anything. And that's the reason why, and the name of the podcast is my first lead. I wanted to like talk about your mindset then, what you did, what made you differentiate from the rest of everybody that would just quit. Because you said it wasn't fun. It wasn't rosy. Like that's why you joined the military. But there's something that made you who you are now. And I think it comes back to that time, like that mindset you have. You are more sophisticated right now, but you still you still had that drive in you then, and you still were resourceful, and you still made a sale. I mean, it's not like you don't make any money, even though it's just one dollar. It's a beautiful one dollar because it came from nothing. It didn't come from an employer. You didn't trade time with money. This is like I don't think all dollars are the same. I think the dollar you make just like sleeping is 
what what more than dollar you made grinding you know out there so that's the reason why i know it sounds like i'm hammering on this particular beginning but to me and to a lot of us that are just starting that's where we're that's where we are right now we are in like ground zero i mean a lot of this podcast that you listen to and videos you watch they, they're always talking about that level that sophisticated level oh facebook ads oh i spent a hundred million dollars on facebook ads i said Great. I cannot relate <laughs> to that. Oh, I spent. Yeah. I had a. I had a fundraising. I can't relate to that. I want to relate to the first what you did and how can I, maybe not follow your footsteps but learn from what worked and what didn't work. So obviously you said you didn't enjoy it because you know you couldn't see a future in that, and that's why you joined the military. What what made you realize this is not going to work, and I need to find something else? Well, I think that what made me realize was going to work was at that point in my life like you said i was in college and when i when i finally graduated from college okay well i wanted my masters i wanted more financial resources right away and i couldn't see that providing the resources the financial resources my, my masters fast enough i was getting revenue was reinvesting it back into it you might sharing numbers do you remember numbers that you were making then Oof. that wasn't enough yeah. um I would say probably my gross revenue was somewhere between two hundred under two hundred k back then. It's gross revenues right uh, after for, college before master. Right, right while in college, while in college. So I, I literally joined the military right after college. So after so I, I graduated in uh, December of twenty twenty two, and by July, I'm sorry, two thousand and two, and by July two thousand three, I was in the navy. But I realized that. Uh, the future I saw doing that at that point in time wasn't very bright. And that's, that's not a good thing about analyze and make sure you're being real with yourself. So I'm like, let me just join the Navy. And, and, and getting my master's was still, was still important to me. Now, when I came back, one of the things that I started to put in place, which I think everybody should put in place when their first lease is, when you start your business, you also first understand your customer, right? So who's your customer base? Who are you marketing to? right not everyone right so when i started a hospice after college for example i picked a very catchy name called methodist hospice because methodist did not have a hospital at that point in time so that was that was key uh i knew okay i can call clinics hospitals methodist is a hospital here in houston it's a it's a big hospital big, big hospital uh houston. so you so, backed on their name <laughs> in the name right and hopefully my plan hopefully they'll buy me out one day when they, when they see me as a nuisance but because of that once i put my name out there in the medical world, I was just getting calls organically because people just thought I was a branch of Methodist uh, Hospital. Uh, so even after I closed the company, now I was still getting calls. Hey, we saw you here. We have four patients for you. Whatever, take them on. Um, Would you say picking that name was a made a huge impact on your sales and your reputation? I think so in that industry, definitely. Because I mean, like I say, I, I, I still get calls ten years later for people like, "Oh, Methodist," and one of my best friends actually took the name and revamped it, I thought it was a company, you know, revamped the company, and I was about to sell the company for a lot of money now. Uh, I mean, my goal was just, hey, I mean, I, I knew that having that name should help out. I was surprised they'd never had a hospice. I called my lawyer, hey, you're, you're free to use it. It's a Christian thing, just use them, okay? It's Methodist hospice, and I got a lot. I, mean, I still got calls several times without any marketing. How people don't want to, uh, want to sell this business. You know, then also knowing your customer base, right? So, so when I started my real estate company, I remember about, uh, people want to give me advice like, hey, don't focus primarily on like Nigerian or African community because that's what I am. But my thing was I've got to sell to people around me first. 
before someone in China uh, or so to whatever it is. And I, I tried both, you know, I tried selling to random people, just marketing, you know, out there on the newspaper and marketing within my sphere of influence. I enjoyed working with my sphere of influence more. It was a high return. They trusted me when I, when I told them what to do. Uh, they, you know, it was, it was more enjoyable, like a experience. And that's, that's really key when you start a business. One, you know, try to have a very good name that's very sellable. Know your audiences, which your clientele is. Not only just know them, put them down, right? So the next thing I did was uh, I called everyone that I know. Luckily for me in real estate, everyone could be my clientele as long as they're a certain age and they're over 18 and they have some money. So I got, I started what I call a database, a CRM, right? So if you do it, you got to start a CRM. That's the first thing you have to do. So my first job was to kind of get as many people in my database as much as possible, right? So I call my my wife, my sister, my dad. I don't care what they were in the world. Give me their name, number, and email. My my mother, my mother-in-law. And I put them all of them in the database. I think I have about four hundred and sixty people. That was my first set of people to market to. Um, and then I read a lot. So another thing I would say is that if you pick an up an industry you want to read at least 20 minutes a day of material in that industry. You gotta educate yourself, educate yourself, educate yourself, right? So you've been with me for a while now, um, you know, I choose to go to like one seminar a week. I still to do it, so you wanna learn or teach a seminar a week, right? And that was very, very impactful when I read a lot, a lot about real estate. And one of the things that I learned, which I think is probably the biggest key I think it's one thing I really want you to hone in. It was what I call mind share. Have you heard of that before? Have I talked about that before? Yes. To me, that was the key. That was the key to the growth that I, I enjoyed earlier in business. And a lot of people that were there before me in business were surprised how I just grew quickly, rapidly. And the idea behind mind share was that whoever you want to target at your market base, you got to make sure that when they think of that industry, they got to think of you first. Your name, your lifestyle, everything has to be synonymous with that industry. Now they might not go to you, but you've got to have the mindset of them. So like now in almost every industry, everyone knows about 10 practitioners in that industry, but everyone only think of one or two if they think of that industry and they patronize those, those one or two. They don't have the time to keep going to the seventh, eighth person. Now, that being said, your job number one is to get your database, get it together, and then make sure that if anyone in your database thinks of interior designs, they gotta think of you. You gotta dominate the market in marketing. You gotta be in their face nonstop. And if you try something that doesn't work, try something else. Learn something else. Do more. Do it more. There's always gonna be a call to action. I don't just post, I post a okay, call me, buy this. So examples, I share evidence of success. I do. So I just kept. I kept doing different things to keep in front of people. I had a weekly mailing list, right? So I mailed. I emailed everybody. Emailed them every once a week on good content. Let me ask you, right, Mide? Uh, so if I say I want to buy an electric vehicle, what company comes to mind? Tesla. You know, everybody's gonna say the same thing. There is fifty electric companies, electric car companies, including Rivian. I think Rivian. BYD, all the Mercedes, Lucid, whatever, but everyone would say Tesla, right? It's a mind share. So that's the biggest. If I say I want to go get some coffee, what are you thinking? Starbucks. Everybody goes, that's it. 
but it's a millions of, and they're probably not the best, uh, best coffee there, but that's where everyone's going to go, right? It's called Mindshare. They've saturated the market. If I say I want fast food, it's going to be two you're thinking of. We're thinking of the same two. What, <laughs> what are you thinking of? <laughs> Donald's, maybe Chick-fil-A. That's it. That's, that's it. it. That's it. You know, there's a gazillion of them, right? So that's the whole idea is that in your business, if I, if I think to like, okay, I want to do interior designs, would I think of Gomes Designs or not? Yeah, if you follow me on Instagram. Ah. <laughs> so have you done your job then? Have I done it? Well, I think I'm, 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 I'm trying to follow your footsteps and yes. I'm, I'm getting a lot of knowledge from this. And yeah, I know one of the things that I know that I help with Mindshare is um, social, social media and what you just mentioned, email marketing, which I need to start doing. I wrote it down right now. I guess my, my question is like, before social media, because you started real estate over 10 years ago, before social media, how were you, apart from email, what are the things were you doing to get Mindshare? Everything. And it always evolved. So my job is that, first look, for example, I wear my name tag everywhere. I have it right here. Right? I wear it to sleep just in case someone in my dream want to buy a house. I want them to know I'm ready to go. Right? So, I, so basically, so every industry would be different. But everything I thought was, what can I do to get you? If you think of real estate, you think of me. So I wore name tag everywhere I went to church, to funerals, whatever. Unless someone tells me to take it off, I'm wearing it, right? My car was wrapped. You see my car wrapped, fully wrapped my face all over it. So you don't need to think about it. I go to church. And you know, that being said, one of my very first clients, actually, my, my, my third client, um, bought their home with me because of a car magnet. They, I mean, they were about to go to a new construction. I pulled up the truck that day. Like, oh, you're going to real estate. Oh, let's go. They bought their home a week later, and that commission was $17,000. This is back a while back, a while back when 17K was not a normal commission. It's, it's kind of normal these days. I mean, I had a newspaper ads. There was social media back then. I was, there was Facebook back then. There was not really Instagram a lot back There was Facebook back then. I used to boost Facebook. I had a business page I still have called the real estate page. I don't know how anybody never got that before me, but I had that. I would boost, I would do my marketing and I'll put and I'll boost it. So people were seeing it multiple times. But my thing is whatever I had to think of to stay in people's face. I was doing seminars, I was doing speeches. I mean, I would take my car to the club, everywhere. Like, okay, you, you can't you can't but know I'm in real estate. So that was my life. That was it. Don't even call me Victor. Like uh, my my car used to be Victor Knows Real Estate. My in, my my parents they called me they started calling me Victor Knows, Mister Knows, Victor Knows. People thought that was my last name. It was it was that pervasive. There's a lot of other things you know you have to do to do a good job and everything. But that was when it comes to marketing. That was the first night mid show I did uh, that I was just there nonstop. You know, social media posts I do like post three five times a day. Uh, I was I will boost it and I'll boost it to. People who like my page and their friends. Because at that point, I wanted to stay targeted. I didn't want to do with everybody. I've learned uh, that this is a lower conversion rate. That's 80-20. So I want to stick to my 80. Uh, and after a while, I just had too many clients. I could have even handle them. That was, that, was, that was a good problem to have. Wow. How did you learn all this coming from college? Because you started this right after college, correct? Yes. Is it from the books? Like, is this something that you learned as you go or you had known all this information before you got your license and all that? You learn as you go. So did you wrap your car immediately you got your license or was it later? No, it was later. Later, right? So I, 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 was, uh, I was not a broker yet then. I was at a Keller Williams. 
And one of the top sales guys just showed up one day, and I saw, I think I was driving, I saw him with his car wrapped and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, wow, this is not a terrible idea. So the next week, I showed up with my car wrapped with very similar colors. Very, he was pissed off. <laughs> he like, what the hell, Victor? Like, you just, you know, I'm like, I don't see the, I don't see the point. I don't see the problem here. He's like, why are you so upset? Like, it was like you took my colors and everything. I'm like, I don't know, brother. It's not exactly your colors. Mine are brighter than your. Mine were actually brighter. So maybe I think that's why person was like, not only did I, you know, take a lot of what he did, I made it better and brighter. And and to me, that's the thing. You know, they, someone says that great companies are good copiers. They know how to copy well, right? So, so it's a good artist yeah. copy, great artist steal. Exactly, exactly. So they were not, most of them are not really original ideas. You know, but when you see one that works, you got to latch onto it. So, in so being aware uh, of what you're looking for, reading a lot, you know, learning a lot, going to the rest. I, mean, I had coaches. I still have coaches till today. Uh, Are they paid? That, you know, definitely paid. Definitely paid. Uh, I always afford to pay, even if, even if it's free. I like, I got to pay you something. Um, when so, did you start doing the coaches? Was it from the beginning ooh, also or later? Very early on. Very, very early on. Um, I think it was 2016, right? And I started business in 2013, 2014. So like very early on was my, like my first coach. Um, as soon as I can afford it, as soon as I could afford it. Uh, I also took a lot of my revenue. So I, I had a 20% rule. I reverted 20% to marketing early on. Eventually I was gonna have enough business that I wouldn't have to spend that kind of money anymore, but I did. I invested money into marketing, Facebook ads, uh, all those things. I wasn't in the newspaper. I just called myself the people's realtor, Victor, the people's realtor. People just thought, oh my God, he must be, he must really be there for, to fight for me. And they will call you because they want you to fight for them. And just go back to using that, that, that tagline. I stopped using it for a while. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that, you know, you do. But ultimately, once you want to go into something, your first thing to invest is into yourself, right? So make sure, I mean, I mean there's uh, something I have in my book, uh, Will You Ever Be Rich? That said that the easiest way uh, to be 1% in your industry is to read something a day, 20 today in that industry i can tell you how you can start earning over 400k a year net in five five years or less five, five years or less or three years or less but you have to do it right so the top one percent in every industry earn about 400k or more a year net by by research if you study and you implement 20 minutes a day in your field of industry not just random stuff in your field of industry for three years in a row Within five years, you're gonna be top one percent, guaranteed. It's easy. Get it. Study it nonstop and implement. And like, of course, look for the right information. Don't look for stupid information. Don't be a day trader. All that. Don't do all that stuff. You know. Uh, don't 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 gamble away. There's one thing I noticed um, in in the, like a trend I'm seeing in all your your experience is you are very very aware of everything around you. You're very observant and you're a doer. And I think like, like from, from the first time you said you were working as a lab tech and you saw someone um, coming in and doing the group and like, I can do this, to Keller Williams, you seeing that this guy wrapped his car and, and, and now you wrapped your car. How does someone build on that? Is it, like a, is it something that you're, is it an innate ability or you can build on? Is it like a muscle you can train? So I think, I think it can be learned. Think you will learn, but there's got to be a desire to want to learn that thing. Uh, everybody learns at a different pace, and I think it will learn because I, I I remember clearly 
uh, when I first joined, uh, when I joined the Navy, uh, I was a junior officer and there was my other superior officer, Daniel Bestman. You know, Bestman was my immediate, immediate uh, superior in command and he was aware of everything. And I was like, I was amazed. And he would pick that, pick this, notice that, notice things. And I just, I'm like, how do you even notice? Like, how, like don't you see this? I, I didn't notice it. But working for him, with him for two years, I think I learned a lot of that because I was very, I was very impressed with the way, with the way I approached things. Uh, he read a lot. He saw everything. He, you know, he also believes in taking responsibility for something, right? So he won several awards uh, in my community in, 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 in the Navy. So I think that was so. I think I've learned a lot over the years as well, right? I mean, I have I work with generals that have given me, you know, tips on how to pick things. Uh, now, maybe before I joined the Navy, I had part of it already in me, like you said, uh, when I was working with the lab in the lab, you know. But I've always learned that as well. I was going to learn, that. and I've always liked to read. I mean, I remember before before working in the lab, I was a telemarketer uh, at ChaseCon, and I was barely into the country. So my job was to sell um, uh, the internet, DSL internet. It was brand new back then. It's new technology by Southwestern Bell. But I don't, I don't even know what Southwestern Bell is. It's not like that around. Uh-huh. Uh, before before AT and T, other stuff, right? So I think part of AT and T companies. And I was supposed to be selling this thing, and I got to the artwork, and I just couldn't sell to save my life. I was, I think, I don't even know how I got that job. You have to be eighteen to get a job. But I was seventeen. I got the job, and I couldn't sell. But I started thinking, okay, well, why are people not buying from me? So, so I started thinking, like, okay, what's going on? Uh, so they gave us a script to read. You know, telemarketers, when they call you, they read the script. I'm like, well, something might be wrong with the script or whatever the case is. Well, whatever the case is, I'm not selling. I got to do something differently. So now it's the, it dawned on me that people weren't staying on the phone long enough. So my first job was, how can I keep them on the phone long enough? And I realized that I had an accent. This came from Nigeria. I had an accent. I talked I talk incredibly fast. They couldn't hear me. I don't enunciate enough. So I can't sell if they can't understand what I'm doing. So my first job was to slow it down. So whenever I'm talking on the phone and I'm selling, I'm a different person, right? I talk completely different like I am now, which is not my normal process, normal way of talking. So I had to learn that. And then also like, okay, well, the next thing is, they don't trust me. So I got to let them trust me. So I looked at the script. The script was trash. I mean, nobody cares for this. Everybody wants to know, do you care about them first? So I just went with my own script. Hello, Mr. Gua. I know you don't know me. My name is Victor Lofin Macon. I'm with Southwestern Bell. A lot of people call you to sell you things. But even though I want to, I prefer educating people a lot. A lot of my clients are calling me. They need to know about this internet thing. And, you know, we, I'm with Southwestern Bell. There's cable there, Southwestern Bell. Do you mind if I kind of chat a little bit and see if I can tell you about, you know, our plan and what's going on? And people listen more, right? Before, you know, within a month and a half, I was a top salesperson in the entire company. Uh, so so I told my, my, my boss then, like, hey, I want to be a supervisor. Like, what? Like, you don't want to work here. You don't want to work here. You know, I want to be in charge. I want I've always wanted that ability. So he kind of gave me some coaching. I said, get rid of some books. I read uh, 48 Laws of Power back then. And, I, you know, I was 17 going to work with a tie and suits and everything. And all my other colleagues were older than me were like in T-shirts and, and, and jeans. And 
before you knew it while in college. So before you knew it, I was the supervisor and I was doing things and, you know, getting raises and getting noticed and those kind of things. So I think, so you gotta be aware, you gotta, you gotta want to do better. When you want to do better, even with the boss that I left from the Navy, I'm sure he's had other subordinates that did not key into him being very aware of his surroundings and those kind of things. So you have to have that desire to do it and got to keep seeking it out. And when, and, and when you see something that works, latch onto it. That's, that's something a lot of people make mistakes on. People call me all the time that, hey, Victor, I see you're doing this. Uh, can you show me how to do it? That's all of the bat. I will tell you what to do, but you wouldn't do it. You're going to want to do it your own way. And I'm like, okay, sure, that'll try me, okay? This is what you do. Well, I don't know about that. Okay, well, what's the, you know? And that's the one thing is that, you know, um, sometimes you might not trust, you might not understand the full process. Question the process. Question the validity of the process. Question the result the person has had. If the person, has got, if the person you talk to has results, proven results, it seems valid. Uh, then trust the process a little bit. Now, if you try it, it doesn't work, you can always reverse, right? I always talk about this, what I call reversible and irreversible decisions. Very few decisions are irreversible. So if it's reversible, I'll give it a shot. I'm going to try it out. And if I don't like it, I'll reverse it. But you got to be a good copier. And if you're someone that, you, that, that has proven to have done what you want to do, and you trust them, and they tell you something, take it wholeheartedly. Do exactly what they tell you. And then you can, you can revise it and make it yours. You can make it better. You can do it. Maybe you could keep the one you like and discard when you don't like out of that at that point in time. But then just say, oh, well, I don't want to do it because whatever you're doing is not working, you know, clearly. So what would you do differently? You've tried so many things. You said everything is, almost everything is reversible. Looking back on your experience from the college student to now, what would you do differently? Like, you said we should be a good copier, and someone wants to copy you. What would you tell them not to copy? Um, what would I do differently? Just off the top of my head, with my business now, if I had to do anything different, which is hard to say, it's hard to say I'm going to do differently because I don't know if it's good advice, but it is, it's easy to say that now that I'm here, is that I built a business that was dependent on my personality. And I should have probably change that quickly enough. Now, when you do the business, you can go faster, you grow well quick, you make you have a higher profit margin, but it's not a sustainable business or over the years, right? Eventually you gotta build it where you, you don't they don't need you to be there at all. Um, so I probably have done that. Maybe I'll probably bought a business versus start a business. I won't start a franchise because I still start in a business. Maybe I'll, you have a highest maybe I just bought a business now for five, six, seven years and just take it, take it on uh, if you have the finances. And I probably did back then. Uh, but it's hard to say because I've really enjoyed the process that I've been through, uh, you know, because after a while, you know, money is not just good for money's sake alone. Money's got to be, I always say money, who about the money to give you security and happiness? And if you don't get, if you don't have both, then you've missed the opportunity, you know, because you, you keep getting, keep getting money, keep getting money. Without security and happiness, you know, you've missed the opportunity. You've missed the, uh, you know, you didn't really get it. So I think the way I've gone about it is it's given me a lot of joy. It's given me a lot of uh, impact in my community. Uh, I like people. I love people. So it's put me around a lot of people. Um, so maybe I'm trying to switch now. Probably wouldn't have changed when I started. Probably I switched a little sooner. But I'm there now. I'm still switching. So I'm still learning. I'm still doing things better. And I did it just, you know, 
uh, having fun is is really important. You know, you know our core values, which you know, is uh, knowledge. Believe knowledge uh, is what keeps you ahead. So reading regularly, going to seminars, keep getting knowledge, integrity, non-negotiable. People see it a mile away, and they won't they won't keep busy with you if you don't if you don't have integrity. Results. Results is how you stay in business. Without results, you got nothing. I remember when I was working for you, you're always saying results, results, results. That was everything. <laughs> it's all about results. Yes. You know, no matter how you slice it, you can't pay rent without results. So knowledge, integrity, results, service, a customer service, right? That's what keeps them coming back. It's, it's all about communication, communication, right? And then last is fun. It's not last, but it's first is fun. You've got to have fun what you're doing. We are living in a magical moment in time. Right, we live in America. It's a very forgiving society. You know, there's abundant you know resources. You have a house. You have all these things. If you don't, if you can't enjoy yourself, you're missing them. You're missing the point, right? And uh, I was lucky. I learned that early on, and I'm still learning it. Uh, so, luckily for me, at this point, I don't have to do what I don't want to do anymore. Okay, so I mean, you know, uh, but I was very lucky that I got into real estate. It was a perfect like my my super superpower perfect thing for me and i'm i'm always been people i'm always looking for more ways to enjoy what i'm doing when you started real estate um you started multiple things when you found that real estate is working you dropped everything would you advise anybody to start like that some people think oh focus on one thing at a time but I, but you went the route of starting a multiple things and you saw what was working and you dropped the rest in hindsight would you would you advise anybody to do that um, I probably will in hindsight. I probably still will do that. But I also know that doing too many things at once is not a secret to success. But the problem is you don't know what you're going to hit first. Let's just say, for example, I, so I went to someone that they gave me advice. So I would only do one thing and I only did taxes. Maybe I'll have hated it. You know, and sometimes you just don't know exactly what you really want to do, what you're going to enjoy, what it's passionate about. Now, most people like most people like you and I, if we focus on whatever you pick, if you focus on it fully, you will succeed in it no matter what. Right. So if I focus on hospice, probably I'd be successful as hospice. Would I have enjoyed it? Probably not. I don't really care for healthcare that much. I don't mean I care to consume it, but I don't really mean I, I was a pre med in college because my parents said go be a doctor. I didn't you know, I mean the alcoholism would be nice, but I want to be a business person. Uh, I'll, and I'm so lucky that I picked real estate. So I think for me, hindsight, it worked out that I did that. I mean, I, mean, I did remodeling as well, right? So would I have enjoyed remodeling? Maybe maybe I would have, maybe I would not. Maybe I was like, maybe I, but also I enjoy the people part of business, one of the money, the money part of business now. So luckily for me, real estate is a people business, right? So I think I probably give some advice, maybe two or three things to start with until you know, but once you but quickly evolve into doing one thing. So I remember, uh, my first three years or four years as, as in real estate, I kept getting all the ideas to do. And Steve Jobs said that in order to be great, you got to say no to a lot of things, a lot of good ideas. They said, unfortunately, you will say no to good and great ideas. But if you don't say no to them, you won't be great at them or anything either because you're, you're going to have that one and have more and more and more. So one of my battles is, is like, can I say no to, I don't I to say no because I've been saying, I know I've been violating my own rule. I've been saying yes to all this new business. Like I, I shouldn't be doing that because it's just making mediocre and everything else. Um, so let's talk about fast forward to you now, your lifestyle now. 
how are you getting customers are you still grinding like you were in the beginning you're like the top one percent you have a lot of awards i'm pretty sure if i look at your table you have lots of awards you go to you're you're, you're hanging out with the with the politicians now you're on a yacht sometimes i've seen you in the chopper sometimes like you you're living the dream and i guess my question is how are you getting custom? Is it now? Are you now more hands off? Are you now more mellow? Have you gotten to the stage whereby it's just, it's just a snowball effect and it's just coming in and you don't have to work hard? Or are you still grinding? Um, I'm doing less and less uh, intentionally, as you know. In March 31st of this year, I announced my retirement. I stepped out a lot. Uh, I'm finding myself back in little by little now. Uh, but I don't want to go back in fully. Uh, I really want to uh, come back in and stabilize a few things and then step back out again. And you know, and when I when I say retire, I don't, I'm not going to be on a uh, on a beach for like the whole year. Probably be more. Probably I want to go to a more productive part of my of my life. Right, I want to go into other things where you know I can do more of service for people. Um, I'm focusing more on not doing things I don't want to do. Um, focus more on the happiness and the enjoying part of the work. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to hurt it. I don't want to piss anyone off here on your podcast. But you know, we, we all got to take a stock about like, like, when do I want to stop working for money? When I say that, think about it. At what age do I want to stop working for money? Right. So I was at a birthday party. I think it was yesterday, and my dad was praying for the celebrant, and she was just, just you know, my similar age as me, like, hey. I pray you're going to reach 50, you're going to reach 60, you're going to reach 70. And, you know, he got to 70 in three in three decades, in three breaths, 50, 60. I'm like, okay, we, like, we are there. Like, so I think myself, you know, when do we, when someone say, oh, I'm 55, I want to move to Nigeria and go and hustle and grind. Like, so when do you want to stop hustling and grinding again? Uh, and I don't mean stop working hard. I, I still work hard. But you got to now start thinking, when do I want to start? Should I live my, live my best life? When do I want to start? When do I want to stop working for money? I think eventually we all stop working for money and start working for mission and purpose. And money will come with all that. And that's kind of where I want. I want to, I want to work with mission and purpose and building, help people build wealth and impact. And then having a lot of fun while I'm at it. And that's why I've been lucky to do that. So I guess because of the podcast is my first lead right now, what would you say 80% of your leads are coming from? Are they from past referral, organic? Are you seeking them out or they just come in easily? Like if you don't do anything right now, if you don't do anything on marketing, are you still going to get leads? Yes. Mostly from my past are, 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 are referrals and people just tell their friends about me all the time. Hey, you got to go with Victor, got to go with Victor, kind of thing. So uh, the reputation is already out there. You got to keep it going because you're going to lose it anytime. Um, but it's already out there, correct? And you know, again, in, you know, results and the service is very crucial. So I wanted you to kind of keep that in, in mind. So once you are known for someone that can deliver results, the business is going to keep coming to you. Now, if I if I do more market, I'm going to get more of it. I would, the problem at, at that point is that since we have built my business, I would want to call me. I can barely get enough. Some days I can I get too many leads that I can't even put in my system to assign to my people. Um, so that's a good problem to have. <laughs> I think so. It's good and bad because you know because then that because then that can also become your reputation. Oh, because you're too busy, don't go to him anymore. Oh, that's true. Right. That's true. So it's point. good. And, it's it's good and bad. Yes. Yeah. So one last question: 
what is one advice we, we had so many nuggets thank you so much so many nuggets inside this like so even me i couldn't even jot them down enough uh fast enough what would be one thing you say someone that's starting like me starting out there to do what's the one thing you say to take away from this the one thing you should do is go read my books read success made simple <laughs> i was gonna go to that read success made simple and read really ever be rich yeah you have to read the books uh but what i'll say is that now, and I do this all the time as well. So when I go to events and seminars and things, I ask myself, what is one thing I can take from this and go implement aggressively? So from everything I've said, don't try to do it all. It's going to be overwhelming. Don't try to just get it. Okay, fine. Victor has said all these things. How about I go spend the next two weeks building a database of 1,000 people that I can email? Just implement that. Or like you, like you did, how about I post social media aggressively every day for the past six months and not just post for posting sake, start seeing, is it working? Remember like how I talked about when I was a telemarketer, I was doing the work, I was there, but if it wasn't working, I remember I would go home, I would look for a mirror, I would call my friend, say, hey, what am I doing wrong? And I would call him, like, hey, can I, let me try to sell this to you. I can't even hear what you're saying. So I, just, I was figuring, slowly figuring things out, right? Watching movies, reading, right? So what if, maybe it's, let me read for 20 minutes a day for the next six months, but then by my industry and implement. But see, don't pick it all. Pick one, do for the next three months or so, then go back and do something else. That's why I say just do one. So just do one thing intensively. All right, so how can people find you? Follow me on Instagram, Victor Lovemaking for sure. Like me on Facebook at Victor Lovemaking. And then my email is victor at victorlovemaking.com. And that's probably the best way to reach me and come to my events. We have a, we have a, a weekly, a monthly series we're doing. I don't know if you've seen it, the, the real related series. We did uh, one last last week on uh, how to invest in commercial real estate. It was very popular. Now we're doing one in um, how to build your own real estate projects from scratch. How to develop your own real estate projects from scratch. That's really popular as well. That'll be September 20th. September 20th. Be at Eventbrite link September 20th. Uh, but you can just go and DM me that you want once we have the event link out i will i will share it all right thank you so much sir.